Hello, listeners of the Different Knock podcast. Alex here with a quick announcement just before we get started. Firstly, we have a website. Come on. It's the differentknock.com. Uh, we're posting blogs on there. We've got the podcasts on there. It's a good time, so go check it out. Um, and secondly, in this podcast, you'll notice there's something slightly different about my audio. Uh, I'm going to leave it up to you uh, for the more eagle-eyed, eagle-eared, eagle Eagle something amongst you to work out what it is. Is he is he down a well? Has he finally killed Brad and is in a murder location unknown? Any guesses, tweet me. And at the very end, I'll explain what happens to my audio this session. Uh, but otherwise, enjoy. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the fucking <laughs> oh, <can> start. <laughs> welcome back to the different knock podcast. I don't know why I did that. I sometimes like plan. I sometimes plan what I'm gonna do for the start. Really? That was not in the plan. Yeah, I'm like sat there in my head, just kind of going, "What could be cool to start a podcast?" Turns out, just don't do that. Do anything but that. Uh, don't do yeah. it, guys. Don't do it. <laughs> uh, anyway. Welcome back to the Different Knock podcast, episode number four, with Alexander Moneypenny and... Bradley Adams. Bradley Adams. How are you, mate? I am great, thank you, my friend. Uh, I think it's going to be less ranty this week. Less ranty? Are you feeling less stressed this week, Brad? Have you had a nice, nice calm week? I've had a nice, calm, relaxing week. What was up last week, Brad? You were, you were pretty angry. <laughs> I don't know. I just think it was the topics that were a few hot-button issues for me. There were just a few things that as soon as they were mentioned, I was I was ready to go. I was I was one minute away from buying you a massage, mate. <laughs> oh yes, Bradley. Okay, before we get into this, we have something to iron out, don't we? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, is this my fr- is this my fraudulent opinion? Your from fraudulent the of the week? opinion, right? So the messy news broke, right? The news that Messi is is trying to leave Barcelona. If you hadn't heard, and you're living under a rock, which which he can't. Which he can't. Yeah, we've heard today that, that he needs to pay his uh, release clause. Or uh, supposedly Barca might be able to um, accept a lower offer. But anyway, uh, regardless... It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Regardless, I message Brad <laughs> <laughs> with the news. And I go, as a joke, would you take Messi at, at Arsenal? And Brad replies, and I quote... Are you yes. actually going to quote it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to quote you, Bradley. I'm going to quote you. Would you take Messi? Of course I would, but only if we got the midfielders we need. If it meant no DM, then no. <laughs> okay, here's, here's the point. We have an elite level goal scorer up front and we're fucking shit. Messi would not solve any of this. Brad, it's Lionel Messi and you're worried about a DM. I, I, yeah, I know. And I know obviously, obviously Messi brings like, I'm not an idiot. If we're talking, like, unrealistically in the sense of, like, of course I would love to have him at the club. One of the two greatest players of all times. I'm just used to, as an Arsenal fan, in a summer window, getting one thing sorted and leaving everything to burn. So, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> like, we signed Petr Cech and that was it in a whole summer once. Yeah. 
as much as it would be fantastic to have Messi at the club, thinking as a realist, we would still be shit if... Who's going to pass to Messi? Who's going to pass to Messi? Yeah, no it's, almost like a case, it's almost like a case study in what it's like to be an Arsenal fan, in that you're so used to destruction and death and illness yeah. and despair... <laughs> That you, when when something comes up, like Lionel Messi coming to your club, you're like, but only if we get the DM. Only if we get the DM. We need it. We need it. Please. Yeah, we no. haven't replaced Patrick Vieira. And to be fair, I do notice it as a, as a piece of absolute kind of idiocy from myself. Brad, I forgive you. I forgive you. We've had two football matches. Woohoo! We have. Matches some actual, of football. Some actual games to chat some about. Some actual football. Uh, we had the uh, Liverpool match yesterday. Uh, when we're recording this, you'll hear this on the Monday. And we had the MK Dons game. When was it? Was it Tuesday? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, let's start. Let's let's work backwards, shall we, Bradley? Uh, Liverpool game. Congratulations to the Arsenal team for winning the biggest trophy of the calendar year. Uh, Community Shield is obviously. Um, I, I hear I hear sort of kids in their room, in, in bedrooms just to stare at their poster of the Community Shield on the wall. Dreaming of it. Dreaming of it one day. I hear Mbappe wants to move to Villa just to try and win the Community Shield. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, we, no, but, you know, listen, we it's a trophy. It's a trophy and I'm very, very happy we won. It's, it's It was a chance to go up against one of the toughest teams in England. Well, the best team in England last season and kind of again try and prove ourselves against top opposition which we did you know I think that Aubameyang's goal was very well taken Liverpool's goal I mean was deserved they had a lot of chances and you know I thought Martinez put in a stellar performance uh, but the goal itself that they scored was quite lucky it was just a, it, just, it was just the way the ball bounced and sometimes those things happen in football uh, but the the shootout I thought we were well prepared and on the course of the match, I think it was a deserved draw. A deserved draw. I don't think either side could be too. If if Liverpool had lost, you know they probably did deserve a draw. They had a lot of chances, but I think that's just testament to how well Arteta has improved us and how far we've come since. You know, I said in the blog post, I would be happy. Blog post on thedifferentnot.com. Thank you so much. Thedifferentnot.com. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Plug. 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 I, I I said that I'd be happy if we just didn't get absolutely routed like we had done in previous years. And fair play to the boys. This 3-4-3 turning into a 4-4-2 in transitions is working really, really well. And as long as we're winning games against these big teams, I see no reason why in bigger matches like against the Liverpool, like against the Chelsea, like against the City or United, we don't play this formation. 100%. And I think one of the most encouraging things about the match was how we were set up. Yeah. And, you know, with the with the players he currently has at his disposal, I think it's a really, really good system. Mm-hmm. That was the most encouraging thing for me, the way we played against, you know, the league winners, ultimately. And they were full strength. And we didn't have, you know, Pepe, Lacazette, didn't have, didn't see Willian. Um, we had El Elmeni in midfield. Um, so you know it was really encouraging. Yeah, we had a we had a midfield. What was the midfield? It was El Nani and Jacker, wasn't it? El Nani and Jacker. I think what was fascinating yeah. was was the way we played. Sometimes, I mean, Maitland Niles. I mean, we'll come on to him in, in another bit. But unbelievable. There was bits where he was sort of playing like Cam. There was some there was some interesting interesting movements. He he, he popped up there mm. um, a few times. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it was a bit of a weird system at times. Um, but it works, man, and and it's it's something that I I think we can move forward with, especially with Louise in the middle of a back three, as I've said before. Yeah. I think is it's really it's really encouraging. But you know, overall, really really good game. I think um, again, it's just encouraging to see us 
yes, there were obviously periods of the game where Liverpool massively um, pressed us and, and, and we were massively on the back foot. But it's also really encouraging to see parts of the game where that, that, that doesn't happen. And we are on the front foot. And, you know, even with the players at our disposal currently... We're we're matching them from man for man, and it's it's exciting. And I think, and also that we're seeing it out, isn't yeah. it? Like the fact that we're we're we we held on to our one goal lead for a very like for quite a lot of the game. And if it wasn't for a lucky bounce coming off of, I I, I think it's either off of Salah or Holding. Salah. You know, I don't think there's argument for handball because at the end of the day, it's not like he saw it coming. You know, and when you're running, your arms are in motion. So no, I didn't think it was. I, I don't think it was handball at all, but. It takes a bounce off of a player and lands in front and these things happen in football. But the fact it's really, really encouraging that the only goal that they actually scored. I mean, yes, Martinez did have to work for for that, but the only goal they scored was due to a piece of luck, lucky bounce. Uh, and I'm I'm really, really pleased and positive. 100%. And also not like a really annoying error by Mustafi or something. Do you know what I mean? It was nice that mm-hmm. it felt like a, a, a bit of actual quality plus a bit of luck caused the goal. I think for me, something I noticed in the game, which I'd love to get your take on, did you watch the game, by the way, Brad? Did you end up watching it? Because I remember you saying to me that you couldn't find a stream. I couldn't find a stream. I watched the, I watched from about 30 minutes onwards to the end of the game. And then I watched the highlights on BBC One, just so I caught up of what I missed in like the first day. Yeah, yeah. So so you would have... Um, yeah, it was a bit that was interesting to me. It was We appear to be, and I've never seen, I've never seen this from an Arsenal team before, in 50-50s, I think it's it must be the coaching. Firstly, the set pieces look better already, by the way. So that set piece coach mm-hmm. is... is um, there was one that uh, Louise... It could have been Louise. I can't remember who it was. Anyway, we were all... It was uh, a, a free kick taken from the uh, right-hand side into the box and only one player ran. And it looked like a, a nice sort of routine. So all the players remained stationary. The Liverpool players sort of took a moment and went, what's going on? And another player, just one guy was running. Yeah. It looked like a nice little routine, which I hopefully see more of. But the thing I was going to say was, in 50-50s, I've never seen the tactic. I've never massively seen it. Anyway, maybe I'm, I'm this is just my bias and something I've never seen before. But I've never seen us... Um, when Nketiah jumped up against Van Dijk, and obviously Nketiah is always going to lose a 50-50 in the air with Van Dijk, he pushes the man. And you see him sort of sort of kind of push Van Dijk off the, ma- off the ball. Yeah. I've never seen that from an Arsenal team before. And it... Got us so many, it won us so many aerial duels, and I, I, I'm sure there's a compilation or something floating around there. I've never seen many Arsenal do that a lot, and I think it's one of those things. It's such a, it's such a small, simple thing. But if mm-hmm. Arteta's encouraging just a slight, you know, a bit more of a physicality in in those aerial duels to push the man off, it, you know, it, it, it was really exciting. It's one of those small things that appears to have been fixed alongside the massive, you know, the the structural problems that were going on. Um, and another thing was what's really great is is um, is the kind of collective, I guess, collective responsibility. There was a moment where um, Robertson got the wrong side of Saka, and I think he forced a corner. It was actually quite funny. Bayerin called him out, and he said, "Come on, man!" You know, and, and I love that. And it's and it didn't feel like a. Um, I think beforehand it's been arms in the air, and Arteta talks about this, doesn't he? You know, we, you know, no more arms in the air. We can't be. We need to work as a team. But it felt like an encouraging thing. Absolutely, and it felt yeah. like a, a kind of you know we we're all in, in this together, and you need to do your tracking back. And it's nice. Firstly, it's nice to see that Baron's taking that responsibility, but also you know nice to see that that kind of collective responsibility um, from the team. Yeah, no, agreed. I think that it's uh, you, there needs to be a sense of accountability within the within the, within the kind of players, like you say, with you know Saka not tracking back and 
if you're being called out on that by your own teammates, at least that if you're not thinking about it enough, it will make you go, OK, I need to focus on that more sure, more, and make sure that I'm kind of doing my jobs and tracking back. And yeah, it, it's I, I have there is kind of a tangible difference in the way in how physical we are in games. Now, we do go into tackles harder. We go into hugely, hugely. aerial duels harder. We're, we're, we're trying to be a punchier side, which I think can only be an advantage in the long run because if you are winning more aerial duels or you're winning more 50 50s and you are being that person first to the ball you're keeping possession yeah 100 percent. so i think that it's a it's definitely a good thing yeah and and also kind of i guess a a consequence of that kind of if you don't run back for the team you know you, you see a bamiang he's back in our half he's he's doing he's doing the dirty work it's a consequence of that culture that arteta and and specifically i think steve round is is pushing at the at the club of if you don't work for the team, you don't play. And I think mm-hmm. that's amazing to see. And we'll come on to Gwenduzi in a bit, and that's a, a different discussion. But players like Gwenduzi, who are just, well, if you're not going to do that, if you're not going to play our system, then get out. And that, I think that's, again, another another reason why this is really working. Another thing that was really encouraging for me from the Liverpool match was um, hearing afterwards that Reese Nelson wanted to take the first penalty, and he said, I'm going first, boss. Really great. Yeah. Another moment of of responsibility. He was he was speaking, and I watched the video of him on Twitter this morning speaking about that. He's matured, man. Yeah, he's really matured, and he's. It's great to see the likes of Inketia, you know, going into that duel against Van Dijk. The likes of Nelson taking that responsibility there. Um, Maitland Niles. I mean, how cool was that penalty from Maitland Niles? Oh. All of these oh. players just taking that collective responsibility, and it's 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 really great to see. Hundred percent, absolutely. You love to see it. You do love to see it, and uh, yeah, and you watch. There's an also a clip of kind of talking along the same topic of Reese Nelson of Arteta saying he he didn't ask to take the first penalty. He put his hand up and said, "Me first. I'm going first. Yeah, and that is exactly what you want. You want players, whether it's to do with penalties or whether it's to do with any point in the game, to just stand up and be the first, like to have that confidence to go." I'm going to do it. This is it. You know, and I think that under Emery, we did not have any confidence in a lot of fields of play, whereas now it seems to be that we're breeding a real culture of confidence within this club, which is massively positive going forwards because it can only help us in the long run. Uh, so the other game was the MK Dons game. I mean, there's not crazy amounts to say about it. It was, you know, mostly youth players and sort of, you know, 45 minutes and some fresh legs and stuff. Yeah, I suppose Saliba is the only real talking point. I thought he looked really composed. I think I said in in another blog post, plug the blog again, Alex. Go on. Um, I thought uh, he looked really composed. I thought he cushioned the ball well. He has a slightly strange technique of like, I don't know if you noticed, but he when he cushions the ball, it's like with the end. It's like with his big toe. It's a bit strange. Hmm. Watch it next time he plays. We'll do. It's really interesting. I, I, I it's yeah, it's something I I spotted and I sort of went. I've never seen a player do that before. Anyway, um, yeah, so I think, you know, he looks physically amazing, really uh, quick across the ground, Mm -hmm. uh, looks really comfortable um, on the field. And yeah, really, really encouraging. And as I said in the blog post, the most encouraging part was the the charge forward. I think it was for the the second goal Um, because we haven't had centre-backs who can do that for such a long period of time. Centre-backs who can really play. Who can really pick the right pass, and it's it that is the crucial bit. You watch Mustafi come out of defence. You watch Holding come out of defence. You watch Socrates come out of defence. They come out, they push out, and then you watch them lose confidence because they know they don't have the ability. They turn back and they play back to Louise or whoever's in, whoever's in the middle. And Saliba picking that pass is is 
is crucial for our development as a team. I mean, he's the new breed of centre-back. You know, Socrates, Mustafi, Holding, all in essence play like a like an old-style centre-back. You know, you can draw comparisons with how kind of in the Tony Adams era of football, centre-backs were centre-backs. It was a, you head it out or you lash it out. There was no need to be kind of this technically able. And then with Pep Guardiola introducing kind of a more, t- well, and Arsene Wenger, bringing up a more passing tiki-taka style of play. We needed centre-backs that can pass. And now with the kind of Bayern Munich style of what... um, I saw Hugh Wizzy again call it fizzy ball, where it's basically like the same style of... It's tiki-taka football, but you're at a a ridiculous pace. You're sprinting. And that's why those Bayern players are absolutely jacked because they are... They're monsters. They're so fit because they know that not only do they have to play technically beautiful football, but they also have to be able to run, to press and to absolutely die for the team. And I think that it is good to have a player like Saliba who seems to be able to pick a pass, but also has the legs on him and the physicality on him to kind of win those headers, to lash the ball out if need be, or to charge forward and make kind of those those decisions and those and those moves for the team and I think that going forward and obviously with the incoming signing of Gabriel which was announced by a gardener on Instagram <laughs> I had that down uh, to talk about yeah that's so funny um <laughs> you know I think it's looking positive and if we shift off some of the if I think if Holden goes out on loan this season to Newcastle like it seems and we then obviously will lose people like We'll either lose Mustafi and Socrates this summer or next summer. Same probably with David Luiz. I don't think we'll be offering him another extension. So he could then come back and play fourth spot again. And we would have centre-backs of Saliba, Gabriel, Mari and Holding and then maybe Chambers or Mavropanos or, you know, and it, it, it seems positive for the Arsenal back line at the moment. I think your your comparison to Bayern is really good because um, I think one of the things that appears to be coming out of around, um, what's his fucking name? The Bayern coach. Oh, well, Hansi Flick. Hansi Flick. Uh, around Hansi. That's the most German name of all time. <laughs> um, it's like someone being called John Smith from England. <laughs> um, uh, yes, the stuff coming out around Hansi Flick is mainly just how brilliant he is with the players and making them all feel valued. And this is something I wanted to come on to about Arteta is his impact. I mean, so I've got mm. the stats here. I picked them up earlier. Hang on one second. So he's got 1.97 points... Uh, per match uh, we've scored 51 goals and conceded 31 he's won 17 matches out of 29 drawn six and lost six as well and i think one of the i'm a huge arteta fan as i'm sure people who listen to this podcast understand i i defended him in, in my dreams i talk about him all the time i you wanted him when we picked up emery I remember the conversation that we I had. I wanted him when we picked up Emery. I remember the conversation yeah. we had where I wasn't sure and I said that when the Emery news came out, you know, and I'll hold my hands up and say I was absolutely wrong, that when it became, it seemed to be a two-horse race between Emery and Arteta, I went, it's got to be Emery because at least he's coached before. And I have to say, how fucking wrong was I? But mate, do you know what it is? And I think, and this is why I bring up the buying thing. It's communication. It's communication and it's looking at someone, it's looking someone in the eye as a football player and making them feel valued and making them feel like they have a place here. And if they don't, they don't, then they go. But And confidence as well. Confident. You know, you imagine you, you're going in and you look at the way Arteta speaks. 
you're not going into training thinking, oh, he's not noticing. He's noticing everything you're doing. Mm-hmm. He's noticing how you how you turn up to training. In his comments about Inzi Maitland-Niles were fascinating. He was talking about how he was um, <laughs> getting goosebumps talking about Arteta. This is I'm so obsessed with Arsenal. This is ridiculous. So the um, he was talking about Inzi Maitland-Niles, and he was saying the way everything he does around the match has improved. And he was talking about you know he's he's had to prove to me that he can he can do this you know two or three times a week if needed. Or certainly, you know, every week in the league, um, and you know all the stuff, the game preparation, how he's working in training, how he's working on himself, all of these things, um, you know, and it's just such a positive, positive impact, and you can see it, you see it in the players, you see they all want to work for each other, you see it in the coaching staff, you know, look at him every time, you know, remember those drinks breaks before the uh, in, in sort of project restart, you watch him, man, and he cares, he cares so much, he's so passionate about every single detail. And having someone who can communicate like that is so important. And it's it's I don't want to overstate his impact, but I think this is one of, if not the most exciting times I've ever had as as an Arsenal as an Arsenal fan. Uh, absolutely. Because I think, you know, you look at that you look at that man and he he knows where he's going. The players may not come with him, the board may not back him, things may go wrong. We we know that in football. But Arteta knows where he's going. And I Arteta will win a Champions League before he retires as a manager. He will win a Champions League within ten years, within five years, maybe. I think he's, I think he's targeted, supposedly privately, he's targeted twenty-one, twenty-two for a title challenge and potentially a title win. And he's not. The thing is, is he's not arrogant about it as well. You think he's won? He's won. I mean, we can all count, laugh at the Community Shield, but let's count it. He's won two trophies in what eight months in charge. And I'm sorry to stop you. That's more than Tottenham have won in was it twenty years? 20 years and he's giving interviews saying that he wants more that he needs more backing that he wants to push for more and then you see interviews with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer saying you know oh after after he reached third getting the same points total as he did last season after spending 150 190 million on players saying that he's proved everyone wrong when realistically the only reason that he's gotten third is because everyone else fell off. It was Leicester's to lose it, and Leicester lost it. And, and also, what's exciting about it is is the kind of the what feels, you know, the, the targets we appear to be looking at in the window are the ones that we need. Yeah, we need a left-footed centre back who who can play and who's aerially. You know, he's looking at our centre backs and he's going, "We need height, we need pace, we need modern centre backs." We're getting that. We're going out and we're looking at you know cent- central midfield players who can play, who can sit next to Xhaka and who can who can create chances. He's looking at that. He's getting the Aubameyang deal done. Do you know what I mean? And, and I appreciate you know I'm potentially lavishing too much praise on Arteta. This is a massive team effort. And you and, and the reason I bring that up is because you look at Oli, you know, um, news is breaking this evening about uh, Donny Van der Beek. Now Donny Van der Beek is not where United needs to strengthen. No. You know, who knows? We're just, you know, what do we know about Man United's inner transfer? I and mean, we only hear what Fabrizio Romano says. But I think it's fascinating that all the rumours and the information from the club, some right, some wrong, I'm sure, appear to be about, you know, a culture and all the, all the comments from the players. You know, Martinez has done interviews and, and uh, Tierney on that podcast just talking about how clear he is, how motivating he is. Um, shall I suck him off anymore or shall I... <laughs> Yeah, just keep going, mate. Just keep stroking the shaft. Maybe he'll marry you. I think it is the it is the it's the clarity for one, but also like he's not trying to do. He's just using common sense. 
You know, he he sees that there are things in the squad that need dealing with and he's doing it. Like Manchester United, for example, buying Jaden Sancho for 120 million or whatever it is, is a phenomenal statement signing. But if you look at their kind of squad as a whole, uh, they, they need another centre-back to partner Harry Maguire, who's got a bit more pace, which is why apparently, well, according to sources, they were in for Gabriel Magalhaes and lodged a bid, but got rejected. They need a DM because Matic doesn't really have the legs anymore. And I personally think they need an out-and-out striker because every single one of their forwards are players that want to cut in or play off of. Mm, Maybe Mason yeah. Greenwood could evolve into that Van Persie kind of mercurial-esque striker in He's three 18 years, or 19 or whatever. Four years. But you're talking about, you know one of the biggest football clubs in the world when it comes to revenue and money, but they always seem to be spending the money in, in the wrong areas. They've got Donny van der Beek to play. Where, who does he play over? Does he play over Pogba? No. Does he play over Bruno? No. So you need to fix that DM slot. Obviously, buying van der Beek for 35 million is great squad building for depth, but fix your first 11 first. And you need that DM slot fixed before you get messy. That's what I say. Oh, abs- mate. At the end of the day, you look at teams like like Liverpool won the Champions League and got to two successive Champions League finals without a Lionel Messi. Don't get me wrong. Salah's a phenomenal player. Still nowhere near the level Messi is. Mane's a brilliant player. Still nowhere near the level that Messi is. All of their midfielders. Like, if you look at the Barcelona squad, they're, they're, they're full of talent. But this is the thing. It's system. It's system. It's systems, and this is the so, the exciting bit about um, Arteta is is it appears that system is is coming into fruition, and he's mm-hmm. using the right players for the system and the right system for the players we have. Mm-hmm. You look at Chelsea. You know, I've I've been watching their you know their window. Obviously, from the outside, from a from a troll football perspective, you know, Chelsea sign big player. I mean, they win league. It's not going to happen. You, all these players need to bed in. All of these players, you know, unless Lampard absolutely smashes it. You need to buy the right players for your system. You need to, buy, and you need to be clear in your ideas and clear in how you, how you go about them and execute them. And that's the exciting thing. But you look at also where Chelsea are spending their money. They're spending their money up front when realistically, Tammy Abraham had an 18 goal in the league season, which is very decent for a guy of his age. They've got Callum Hudson-Odoi, who okay is not at the moment is not like elite level, but could definitely be. You've got Mason Mount, and they've. They've bought in Ziyech, Werner on what seems to be Kai Havertz for 90 million. They've then fixed their left-back slot with Chilwell, which is a decent enough move, and they've bought in Thiago Silva at centre-back. But they've not fixed the most important part of their team, which is their goalkeeper. Statistically, Keppel was the worst goalkeeper in the league, and you're talking about going and buying Havertz for 90 million. This is this is what the Arsenal team of old were. This is what the Liverpool team of old were before they got the Van Dykes and the Allisons. Phenomenal up front, but shit at the back. They have they had no protection. And with a key, if they go into this season with Willy Caballero and Kepa Ariza Balaga as their best keepers, that they aren't challenging for titles at all. They can't because they, they lose can't. ten points a season. So. Like you're you're going into the season with the worst statistical goalkeeper in the league, and you're talking about buying. And also, Havertz is going to be a phenomenal player in three seasons, but he doesn't win you the league now. We've got you furious again. Yeah, I'm getting anyway. there. It's riling up. <laughs> Arteta loving over. Okay, so Maitland Niles is an interesting oh, case. I've uh, been linked him. this week with um, Wolves for anything between 10 and 20 million. Depends who you believe. He had a pretty good 23rd birthday. Uh, won the Community Shield. 
man of the match and uh, got called up for England. So not bad. What's your thoughts and feelings? Uh, he is a must keep at this level. And I think that as as Arsenal fans, I think we're I think I think this situation's been I think we're quite lucky in the fact that he's I don't mean it because I think he deserves the call up. But I think that now he's had a call up, this prices him out of a move away. Absolutely. Because he becomes an England international, he becomes, you know... Certainly, certainly prices him out of a 20 million move away. Yeah, it, you're now talking about 30, 35 million pounds. And I, uh, I I saw, I don't know if it's legit, but I saw something on Instagram where apparently people have been messaging his agent on, on Insta and his agent had replied basically saying, nah, the move's off, he's an Arsenal guy. And, I did see or that. that. Is he, it Colossal uh, Sports? Yeah, something like that. Or that they think he's now going to be priced out of a move because of the England call-up. And I think that that is fucking brilliant. We need to keep hold of him. Like, sell Cedric, sell Cedric. I don't give a shit. Yeah. And in and in this system, and in this system, I think he, you know, in, in the sort of in the 3-4-3 or when he tucks in on that left-hand side to be the third central midfielder. It's perfect. I thought the, I thought it's, I think it's perfect. I thought his comments after the, uh, the game were interesting. You know, for him, he's an Arsenal player until he's told otherwise. And, and that was the perfect response, I think. Because he's saying, listen, I, I love it here. Um, I'm playing here now, ultimately. And, you know, if, if he's going to be a big part of us, he, he can be a huge part of our system, especially if we're, we're moving forward with this. Um, yeah, I, I, I think he's such a useful player. So versatile. Obviously, a lot is made of his agility, but ultimately he can technically and tactically put out what Arteta wants. And he's he's such a modern football player. He's 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 got everything about him. He's, he's re- I really, really rate him. And I think there's a, you know, listen, there's an argument to sell him. There is, of course, because I suppose, I think something that, um, I think it might have been Clive on the Arsenal Vision podcast said, and he said something along the lines of, you know, if you had, say, 100 Arsenal fans in a room and you asked them to name their first 11s, Maitland-Niles wouldn't be in it. And I sort of get that, and it's fine. But as a system player, you are not going to get anyone better for no. sort of 30, 35 million. I don't think Clive was saying to sell him, by the way. Um, but, you know, you, you, for a 30, 35 million pound player, which he should now be considering his recent form in the England call-up, you're not going to get anyone better to play those, to play all over the pitch. And as an Arsenal boy with three years remaining on his contract, you know, I, I think it's it would be madness. I'd rather sell Bellerin. I'd rather sell Bellerin. I so Bellerin had one of his best games against Liverpool. Oh, oh, don't get me wrong. He was phenomenal. But what I'm saying is I don't want either of them to leave. I think it's silly that we've signed Cedric to a four-year deal before even playing five games for the club. But I would honestly rather keep Maitland-Niles than Bellerin because I think at least Maitland-Niles is way more versatile. Yeah, I just love Bellerin. <laughs> I, I, that... he's, he's an absolute guy. He's an absolute guy. But I'm going to, yeah, I'll put my cards on the table. This is all massively biased because I, I love him and I think he's future captain material. I I don't think we should sell Bellerin. I, I, I think I think we, yes, Cedric is the one to go, but he's just signed. So, I, I, you know, we're at least a year away, probably, probably more from that. I think, um, I think with Bellerin, there's a bit of a... He's been around a long time and he's not been involved and he's been involved in the, you know, the, the Wenger years, the Lundberg time, the Emery era and now Arteta. And I think there's a bit of maybe a bit of fatigue around him. I think if he just signed, if we just got Bayern and we we watched his performance against Liverpool yesterday, we'd be going, this is a 60, 70 million pound player. Of course, but we've been expecting and... him to kick on for six years or whatever. Whether it's... But I think... In the next year, that may happen. Yeah, I don't think you sell him this summer. But I think if you were faced with the choice right now, 
because it's like you say, systems win leagues. Like systems win leagues, systems win cups. We've seen that with Messi and Ronaldo. Messi and Ronaldo are currently the two best players in the world. And neither of them could get to a Champions League final beating that Bayern Munich system. They couldn't even beat, like, Juventus couldn't even beat a Lyon system, you know? And that's the thing is, with the system that we're going to currently run against big teams, we need Maitland-Niles. Because also, if we're getting rid of Kalazanak, we need somebody who can play that left wing-back slot. And I, I think Tierney mm. works, if we're playing a three at the back, Tierney works better at that left centre-back than going to a left-back rather than at the left wing-back. Will that not be where Gabriel goes? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. We'll have to see. It's it's interesting. And, and we may play four against some teams. You know, we played four in that game against Watford at the end of the season, actually. I think I remember us playing a 4-2-3-1. So, yeah, it, it's adaptable. Who knows? But, I mean, ultimately, I think Bayern is a... He's not. He wouldn't be my first choice to go, and I actually don't think he will go. I think I think Bellerin will stay. I, I, you know, I think Arteta knows that unless there's a huge offer for Bellerin, uh, Bellerin, 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 I think I think he'll stay. So we had the news yesterday from uh, the Athletic, Adam Croft and the Athletic about uh, Martinez. Uh, that potentially Arsenal are prepared to sell uh, Emiliano Martinez. It's a really good article if you haven't read it uh, in the Athletic. Um, and potentially we're looking for a number two goalkeeper. Brentford's David Raya has been mentioned, uh, who I think he's a particularly modern kind of sweeper style sort of goalkeeper. Um, He's two years out from the deal ending. We would supposedly be paying him a bonus. I think there's a... um, It's a really, really difficult one. It's a really, really difficult one because... And it's a good... it's It's a good problem to have in that, you know, two great... Great goalkeepers in Martinez and Leno. To put my cards on the table first, I've used that twice now in this episode. Um, I, I think we have a bit of recency bias, and I, I actually, I actually think, I think Leno is the better keeper. I think if you look statistically, and I think if you think about the the defense that was in front of Leno, he was he was our player of the season under. Uh, certainly under, under that first first half of the season under Emery already, you know, him and Aubameyang until his injury. He was he was incredible. We think about the defence that was in front of him. Him with a proper load of centre-backs in front of him, I think I think is a, is a, is not he's a, I think he's top class at the moment. I think he could show us that he might be tipping into world class. I think Leno is is the man to stick with, especially considering the money we've invested in him. And I think, as much as I hate to see it, I really hate to see it, I think Martinez is the guy to go. But I'm not averse to giving them both another year, seeing what happens. Because you just never know in football. Here's the thing. If we can get Martinez to sign a new five-year contract, I agree, keep him for another year. If not, he has to leave this summer. Yep, good shot. With the two of them, I think if you put them together, you have a world-class goalkeeper. Mm. Because Leno's shot-stopping ability and general goalkeeping is phenomenal. He has clawed us tooth and nail out of some dire situations. He has won us points so, so many times this season. And I think, yeah, I agree with you. There's a bigger sample size of games. So he was consistently brilliant across a lot of games. And it is a bit of recency bias to say, you know, well... Martinez has been phenomenal over these past kind of two months. I agree with you. But I think that if you are looking at it, if they're both fit, Leno should start. Purely off of the respect that if we did not have him in the team for the first half of the season, 
Lord knows what would have happened. I think so. And I think you're right about the two years. It's it's the right time to cash out. I saw a really, really good tweet from uh, Daniel Story about Leicester. In the last two years, Leicester City have sold three players for 200 million who cost them 17.4 million to buy. I've gained more points in each season. If you sit outside the financial elite, selling is a sign of sense, not an admission of weakness if you get the recruitment right. Yeah. And I think that is something that we really need to take a lesson from. And I think Martinez is is one of those. If we can get, say, a £25 million bid for him, I'd, I'd be... Yeah, 25 30 I'd sell. I'd be, I'd be happy to sell. The problem is if you don't get that bid. <laughs> so then, then what do you do? So it's really tricky, and I, I'm, I'm really interested to see how it play out. I'm surprised Chelsea aren't in for him, if I'm honest. Yeah, I... <laughs> Chelsea and Arsenal, we've done business before. They're in desperate need of a goalkeeper. He's a step up from Kepa. He may not be like the elite level goalkeeper that they need, but I don't think he's... He's the kind of goalkeeper that if you put an elite level defence in front of, could easily, you know, hold the sticks for you. I think, I think as the, as the window goes on, if they don't get, say, a Donnarumma or an Oblak, yeah. I think they could get sort of... But you know, would I was about to say send him out on a season long loan to Chelsea? Would we do that? I don't know. Maybe if they pay it depends fee. on whether the contract signed. It depends on whether the contract signed. Yeah. If if he gets a new five year deal and he signs on the dotted line and he we tie him down to a new contract and then we can make the decision to sell him next season if it works out that we want to keep Leno for that number one spot, then absolutely. But if we don't get him signed, so I don't know if you saw, but rumor broke today on Twitter from oh, I can't remember who but that he is getting close to signing a new deal, mm. which I think is great for the club because having competi- competition for the number two shirt is phenomenal. You think of Real Madrid in their days of having, you know, Keylor Navas and Courtois. Or... I think Courtois and Czech, Courtois and Czech were yeah. at Chelsea for a while. You know, you're thinking about having two top quality goalkeepers fighting it out for that number one spot. And if he signs, brilliant. If he doesn't, we need to sell him because we need yeah. to be ruthless. And whether he's been, at, he's been at the club 10 years and I think the passion that he's shown and the emotion that he's shown over the last few months you know, crying after winning the FA Cup is beautiful to see that he has achieved this kind of dream. But as a, I'm an Arsenal fan first. And like, if I had to sell a Bamiyang and it would guarantee bringing the club the right money to rebuild the squad the right way to get us back in the Champions League, as much as I love a Bamiyang, I would sell him. It's that same thing of Martinez, lovely guy. But if he's not going to sign a new deal, we cannot afford to let that 30 million price tag t- dip to 10 million in 12 months time yeah and if if we're if you put the two of them together and you had you know emmy's distribution and leno's goalkeeping you're talking about one of the best goalkeepers in the world absolutely but off the basis of their abilities you have to start leno emmy has to deputize until leno shows that he's not up to scratch and with european football there is so much football to be played this season so much football to be played yeah so i think there is room to give him football but if he does not sign that new deal, he has to be sold. It's, it's like anyone. Anyone that doesn't sign these new deals has to go. If we're not selling Lacazette, we need to offer him a new deal so that we can at least sell him in 12 months' time, not for mm. 10, 12, 20 million pounds. It's it's the same with any of these players. If at two years they are not signing, they are sold. And it's it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter if they're Lionel Messi. You need to be starting to bring this money in so that we can... Because that's what Barcelona haven't been doing. They've let their club grow old. They fielded in that 8-2 loss the oldest Champions League squad they'd ever fielded. There's a common link here, Brad. Have you spotted it? What? Barca and Messi? No, no, no. Oh, uh, yes. 
our dear friend Raul Sanyehi. There he is. There he is. Uh, but yeah, no. I just... Well, at least at least we haven't got players two years out and they haven't signed. You know, that's 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 never happened again at Arsenal, has it? Yeah, Christ. Oh, here's a question, Brad. You know how women's football is said it has to be women's football, so they say the Man City women's. How long is it before we we should be saying Man City men's and Man City women's as opposed to Man City and Man City women's? Because for me, it kind of sets up a bit of a weird um, thing of like, you know, man and wife. The kind of like, the man and his like Curly's wife. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, I see what you mean. I see what you mean, but I think it's more the sense of like because because men's football dominates the market. It's 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 the same kind of conversation about kind of like the pay gap between professional women athletes and professional men athletes, in that because more people watch the sport, more people buy into the sport. So it has to be designated as women's football because men's football is the most watched. It's the most sought after. It's the highest paid because of the popularity and because of the money pumped into it by fans, by supporters and by companies paying to broadcast the rights to the fans and supporters. So I can see what you mean. And yeah, I think that, you know, it's got some merit to call them just both Man City. You know, I don't think they have to be called Man City women's. They should just be called Man City and then obviously but then don't you get confused and you start watching games that you, you're like but oh, just put it in the description de bruyne looks different just put in the description so i'm so i'm mm, i think it's yeah. it's a weird conversation there's like there's no point in calling them man city women's just like there's no point in calling them man city men's just call them man city and most of the have different twitter accounts that, that you can obviously label either man city men's or man city women's so you're following the right place for the right news mm. but i i well, maybe it should be the competitions then. Should, should, it, should it be like Man City versus Chelsea in the men's Premier League as opposed to... Well, yeah, because that's what they do in... Um, that would make more sense to me, actually. That's what they do in other sports. Yeah, that's what they do in in um, in like Olympic sports. You, you've got the men's 100 metres, the mm. women's 100 metres. Mm. Just, yeah, I don't think you need to change the name of the teams. I think, it, yeah, it's more about the branding of the sport because it's that's the difference is it's men's football versus women's football rather than a man's team versus a woman's team. So then we come to Matteo Guendouzi. Um, you go first, Brad. Uh, well, as we know, Arteta, uh, or you might not know, I could be speaking absolute shite. Uh, Arteta mentioned never uh, that he had been speaking him, speaking him, speaking to him during the off season, and has said that it is pretty much a fresh restart, and that you know. It doesn't matter what you did last season. It's about whether you can contribute now and it's about what you give the team now. I think there's kind of two lines of thought with this. It could either be that, you know, it's a clean slate because he is a fantastically talented footballer at a very young age who could progress to be one of the best midfielders, you know, playing the sport. Or it could just be Arteta protecting an asset, trying to keep that price tag and level high because with one-to-way stars, the price dips and uh, I'm not sure which is which. I think that without, you know, with Ceballos currently not extending his loan, he might become a useful player. Yeah. I mean, Ceballos wasn't moving like he wasn't an Arsenal player yesterday. He was like posting videos of him watching the game and celebrating, which is really interesting. I think I think Guendouzi is a really fascinating one because, as you say, he could so be so brilliant. And, you know, with this ball progressing, um, if we got him to be someone who was positionally really astute and was actually someone who, you know, was a a, a kind of refined 
newer version of Guendouzi under Arteta playing, you know, the role that Sabahs was playing next to Xhaka potentially in a system which suits him and suits his strengths. If he, you know, obviously sorts out his discipline record and if he just kind of, you know, actually starts to be a good professional. Mm-hmm. I think he could be such an incredible asset. And and I, it's almost like I'm scared to let go of him in case he does do that under someone else. And we see a, you know, 60, 70, 80 million pound player go for 20 million. Absolutely. I am on the side of, I think we're protecting an asset. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I I don't believe Arteta will be relying on Guendouzi this season, although I think he might play him. I d- it depends. If a bid comes in at a decent price, he may go, but who knows? It's difficult. I think the club have him under a long-term contract mm-hmm. and they're probably going... Let's reincorporate him into the into the squad under a kind of everyone has a fair shout kind of thing in the new season, clean clean slate. Let's see what happens. I think he'll probably play in a couple of cup games. I think we'll probably see him back, in, you know, in the maybe on the subs bench, that sort of thing. It's really difficult there because then you know how does Arteta kind of lay down the law of you know what is expected of, of players if he's doing this with Gondouzi? I think you kind of lose in every situation. But for me, I think the one where you lose the least is where Guendouzi is reincorporated. I think what lo- what we lose there is Arteta's word a little bit. There's a bit of respect lost for Arteta, but he's gaining that in so many other ways. We kind of are fine with that. I think it depends as to why. I think it depends as to uh, why. Yeah. I, I, and 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 if we and if he can play, at least we get a bit more from next season. If we do sell him, or we get a great player. So you know, I I, I think. I think this is the right decision to make, and I imagine it's probably quite calculated. Absolutely, because I can see a midfield trio containing Guendouzi in five years' time that could win a Premier League because he has the ability and the potential to be an elite ball carrier if you stuck an an elite defensive midfielder next to him and then stuck a creative midfielder who can pick a pass in front of him. You have a fantastic trio. You've got Mm. somebody who can crunch the tackles, run and progress the ball, and then a final midfielder to pick the pass. Mm. The issue with Arsenal's midfield at the moment is that Granite Xhaka plays in a deep-lying role and isn't very mobile, but is also our pass master, whereas we want our pass master to be a bit further up the pitch. So I think it is best to hold on to him. And I I know we said in the podcast... Or just to have another guy who's really technically sound like Xhaka. Yeah, yeah. and I know that we um we said in, I think, either our maybe our first or even second episode that, you know, we should get rid of him. And I think that if he hasn't changed his attitude and he's going to do the same things the same way, then sell. Sell right now because there is no point trying to reincorporate someone into a team who is going to cost us points because he wants to do what he wants to do rather than following the system. But if you can get him to buy in to the dream, to the system, to the squad, to Arteta... Keep him, play him, and if we sell him next season for forty million, fantastic. Even if he turns out to be, we had this conversation about Gnabry. I'd rather sell a player for fifty million or for twenty million that turns out to be a hundred and fifty million pound player than let them run their contract down and sell them for less and less, or just lose them on a free. We need reinforcements in the midfield. If the only way we bring them in is to sell Guendouzi, fine, sell Guendouzi. But if we don't have to, then of course he's an asset we should look to keep hold of. It wasn't even, you know, it was probably about six, seven months ago. Um, CIS valued him at £70 million and as the most expensive teenager in Europe. With a France call up. Yeah, exactly. Like he is and has the potential to be an elite level footballer. 
who, if we keep hold of and who, if he buys into Arteta and his system and learns to play a bit more kind of rigidly and play his position more, could really, really work well for the club. It's just a question of whether he's going to do that. And if he doesn't, then get rid. But if he does, then fantastic. Welcome back to It's Probably Bollocks. Uh, oh, lovely tilted larynx there, Alex. Thanks, Alex. That was great. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, Bradley, we're back in uh, It's Probably Bollocks. I've got three more delicious little rumours for you. Oh. I just want a little bollocks rating. Thank you, Doki. I quite enjoyed when you said last week, two bollocks out of ten. That was my favourite moment of the episode. We'll go for this system again, then. I'll give it a bollocks out of ten okay. rating. Bollocks out of ten. He's got his own system. Arteta's got his system. Brad's got his bollocks system. <laughs> it all makes sense. Number one, and I couldn't believe this when I read it, but actually, when you think about it, it makes more and more sense. James Rodriguez to Everton. Um, eight bollocks out of ten. I think it could definitely happen. You know, you're talking about Carlo Ancelotti. Wait, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. Wait, 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 wait. Surely it would be two bollocks out of ten, or one bollock. Yes, a of bollock, course. A single bollock. We'll go for a single bollock out of ten. <laughs> um... Because, yeah, you know, it's Ancelotti, the man that brought him to the Bernabeu, I think, or I heard on Sky Sports News when I was fucking watching that sometime last week. Jesus, has that thing decayed since the early noughties? Yeah, I think it could easily happen. You're talking about Ancelotti, a man who's got sway with him. His career's kind of in the shitter because he's not really been able to do anything. You know, he's been just shipped out on loan. And, I mean, he was bought for £70 million. They've got so many Galacticos there on so much money. They need to get him off the wage bill and they need to get him somewhere else. Everton have got massively, they're massively backed financially by Fahad Mashiri and Usmanov. So I can, it's, yeah, I could definitely see it happening. It'd probably be a great move for the Premier League as well. Number two, Tangai, Tangi, Tangai and Dombele to Inter Milan. Can I rate this one? Yeah, go for it. It's an I don't care out of bollocks. <laughs> yeah. I, I care because I was I, you know I was really jealous when Spurs got him because I think he's a fantastic player. Unbelievable player. But he doesn't ever. run, Brad. He does not run and he doesn't care. I wouldn't I wouldn't care under Mourinho in fairness. All conjecture, this is all conjecture, but according to a lot of reports, he's been he's had a back injury. And that's that's confirmed. He's had a back injury for a long, long time. And a lot of these games where you see him not running, he's playing at 50, 60% fit. And he's not running because he doesn't have the legs yet. When you have us, he's coming off injuries after injuries and you're playing him in into a point where he's, you know, like Mourinho has done in the past, he's running the player into the ground. And I think that Andombele is also, unfortunately, part of this Mourinho thing where he moves to a club and he ostracizes a player. And it just turns out to be... Tango Andombele would be a steal for any club, any top club in Europe. Go in and get him. Absolutely. I I have my own view on that. Tango Andombele is carrying the price tag on his back. And that's why he's got a back injury. (laughs) I think he's overpriced. I don't get it. I could be wrong. Maybe in a year's time, I'll look back and go, oh, I didn't see the Ndombele hype. I've never seen it. At Leon, he was he was brilliant. He was good at Leon, but so was fucking Lacazette. Yeah, I see your point, but I just, I think he's been, he's been the product of the Paul Pogba treatment. Oh, he doesn't run. So, you know, when was a lot, and yeah. I, like, this is what I mean about Sky Sports News. Like, the whole sprints yeah. per game, or like, what was it? Or like, jogs per game metric. Maybe this is Maybe this is the Tony Pulis in me. Like, I understand that you need, like, and I think a fully fit Tango Andombele never stops running. Like, 
I just think that he, we've never seen him fully fit. I don't think we can make a judgment on a player who's been shafted by one of the most... Now, in his prime, was brilliant, but now one of the most overrated managers on the planet. Did we have a bollock rating on that? Uh, again, something like two or three bollocks out of ten. I think that Tottenham... If Mourinho isn't going to use him, Tottenham are going to want to recoup the money. The most likely place is going to be Italy because, you know, you've got Inter who are backed by Chinese billionaires. So I could easily see that happening. Uh, finally, Brad, I thought I'd put this one to you. Lionel Messi to Arsenal. Uh, ten bollocks out of ten. Bradley! Apparently. If we... if we, We're not. We're not. We can't... Keep dreaming, it's... my friend. He, it could happen. Dreaming, but if he's going to go to, if he's going anywhere in England, it will be City. It'll no, be City. it's because the it Cronkies are waiting to invest. Once Tim Lewis has done his work, they'll be investing. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> and that concludes. It's probably bollocks. Other bit of news this week. We had two new backroom staff added to the uh, first team setup. We did. Uh, there's a blog about them on the differentknock.com. I haven't plugged it enough this episode, but it's on there. It was Carlos Cuesta and Miguel Molina. Mm. Um, Carlos Cuesta is an interesting one. I think he's 20. He could be. I think I put 24 in my blog post. I think he's actually 25. Um, but he was fascinating because he basically, <laughs> he basically was playing and then he moved to Madrid and he literally just tweeted Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid coaches just asking to come and coach. <laughs> and then he and then he basically oh, and also when he was younger he used to send letters to Mourinho, which he didn't answer. Um and uh anyway, so so he he would beg to come and he said, you know, I'll put the cones out, whatever. Someone let him come and eventually, you know, he's gone through Madrid. He's I think he went to Juventus for a bit and he's sort of basically on learning from loads of coaches. Uh, met up with Guardiola at City. And that's obviously where he met Arteta. And here he is. And listen, mate, I don't know anything about him. He joins as a, hang on, first team individual development coach, which means making the players better, basically. Um, but I don't know anything about him, but I just love the balls on that. Love it. Big fan of that. Fair play. Going out and get what you want. I have no clue about any of these coaches other than the Brentford one, obviously being a set piece specialist. I have no clue, you know, if they're any good, what's their kind of... But we're meant to be informing the public, Bradley. Of course we are, but there's you no... You do know. Po- Just pretend there's you do. No Just point. pretend you do. Pretend you know everything. I'm not an ITK. I'm not a tap-in merchant. Secondly, we have Miguel Molina. Uh, he seems a bit more kind of uh, straightforward. He was a Atletico, high-performance coach joins uh cc and mm love that and they're both spanish i think that's quite good for arteta just to feel comfortable final question brad for this episode i heard this on the ask blog podcast and i thought i'm gonna shamelessly rip it off because i think it's a brilliant question if you had to go to a barbecue with any one of the first team squad at arsenal whose would you least and most want to go to who would I least like to go to? And most. Okay, l- most. We're either talking Aubameyang because I just think he's... Re- a- 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 well, there's three There's three possibilities for the most. It's Aubameyang, Tierney and Maitland-Niles. Oh, mate, Tierney would be so funny. Because I think Tierney's an absolute lad. I just think he's, 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 just, he's just a class act. He would be class. I think Aubameyang would be really funny in class. And I think 
Maitland-Niles would just be a really interesting character to talk to. He's been at the club since he was five. Yeah, I think I think he's had some difficulties with his family, so he might be he might be an interesting character to talk to. Okay, how about least? Either Hector Bayerin, because he's a vegan and probably puts raisins in his potato salad or something white like that. <laughs> or um, no, Mustafi. Yeah, that'd probably be a bit shit as well, wouldn't it? Okay, so Brad, I actually have a bit of ITK here, right? Ooh. I'm not going to reveal my source. I'm genuinely not going to reveal my source. Ooh. But I know someone who knows someone who knows someone. Basically, there's a rumour that he's an absolute arrogant asshole. Apparently, he's really arrogant. Mustafi? Yeah, apparently. This, this, this is... And genuinely, it's a really, really good source. <laughs> I can't say who it is, but it's a really good source. Apparently, he's really arrogant, so probs not. My thing is, is I don't, I don't, I, I've, I've had this, I have this opinion. All right, I don't mind arrogance if you can back it up. If you are elite at what you yeah, do, fair play. If you're Michael Jordan, fine. Exactly, there is a certain level of arrogance you can be afforded because, like, I can't fuck with that. I can't touch that. Like, you, you won six NBA championships. Like, you, you dragged the Chicago Bulls to the first three. Yeah, like fair. I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna doubt you. I, I I'm not yeah, gonna yeah. clap back. If or you anything. say you're really good at something, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. But if you're, t- I mean, if you're Skodran Mustafi, <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, he's got a World Cup winners medal, but from the bench. So, so have I, mate. I've got one as well. So whatever. Shut up. Yeah. You know? So it's if you have a certain level of ability in your field, you can be cocky. Mustafi is not one of those people. Agreed. We can all agree on that. All right, Brad, I could talk to you for hours tonight. This was a good pod. Thanks, mate. Yeah, mate. This is a really good one. Thank you so much. It's that was a-, a good one. Um, I remember last week when I was like, there's not going to be much next week. Yeah. <laughs> Arsenal never fails. Never fails, bring up mate. some drama. Never fails. Yes. Oh, um, uh, is, listen. Is there, there's no chance of getting... The, uh, do I know the source? Is the source who I think it is? I'll... I'll tell you after. Off lo- well, obviously, I mean, it's been I recorded. I genuinely don't want to say it on the pod. All right. Uh, listen, great pod, Brad. Uh, thank you very much for being here. Thank you for listening if you got this far. Uh, check out thedifferentknock.com. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at diffknock. Um, anything to say, Brad? Uh, no, just thank you for all of our listeners, uh, all of your repeat guys. Please, if you can, drop us a sub on any of the platforms. If you could follow us on Twitter, at, like Alex said, diffknock. Uh, if you could retweet that any of our posts for us just we're trying to get as many as much as of our content out there as possible uh and thank you for coming back and listening to yeah, the man. two of us just ramble on about arsenal Cheers. for an hour or 40 minutes or so we're having a great time loving it and uh, we're really grateful for all of you who are giving us your time so thank you thanks guys uh have a good week we'll see you next monday bye brad bye alex <laughs>
So I recorded the whole thing on my AirPods. That's the whole story. <laughs> Apologies. Uh, I made a mistake. Um, I'm sorry for your ears for that whole episode. Uh, but hopefully it wasn't too distracting. And you could listen to the succulent football opinions of Bradley and myself. Uh, the good quality mic will be back next week. And again, my apologies and congratulations if you guessed correctly. Uh, all right. See you next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.